This is Radio Life Sciences, a podcast by the Graduate School of Life Sciences for the Graduate School of Life Sciences. Welcome to another installment of Radio Life Sciences. I'm Spiros and I'm a policy advisor for the Graduate School of Life Sciences and on today's episode I've invited two very important people from our organization, our academic counselors. Desley has this role in the Faculty of Science, while Jaco is doing it for all our Biomedical Sciences Master's programs. I'm very grateful that they made the time for this, as the occasional sound of emails flying into their inbox is proof of just how busy they are. You'll hear us talk about how these testing pandemic times can affect us all, what kind of support they provide, what drives them in their job, and what their views are on the topics they deal with on a daily basis, and society's perception of mental health in general. So let's get right to it. So Desley, why don't you tell us what it is that you can help our students with? Uh, yes, of course. Um, well, students can come to us with, with a lot of questions, um, questions regarding study planning, study choices. Um, but even if you don't know what question you have and you just don't feel well, or you feel that it's difficult for you to concentrate on your study. Um, that's a question we get often nowadays because we are working from home, of course. Um, so those are questions that you can think of. Okay, that's nice. And Jaco, would you like to add something to that? Maybe it's nice to add that, that if you have a question and you don't know where to go, you can, you can come to us as well because we will, we will find out in, in, in most, almost all of the, the situations we know where you you should ask your question. But if we don't know, we, we will work around it and, and, and ask around for you. Yeah, because you have a great overview of uh, all the people in the school, all the different services and support uh, that, that can be provided, right? That's great. Um, so at least in my experience, um, you know, Corona times have increased the workload for a lot of people. So in my case, uh, being a policy advisor, it's been with kind of restructuring the curriculum of our programs for a lot of the teachers. It's been digitizing their uh, courses and their education. Is it the same for, for you guys? Like, do you see that you have um, yeah, more work these days? Are students coming to you more with more issues? Is it, uh, what do you find, Jaco? Um, I, when we had the first uh, lockdown in, in March, I, I, I took a lot of work home, hoping that, that everybody would, would stay away and, and, and uh, leave me alone. But, but I'm, I'm afraid it's busier than ever. And, and this is, this is um, uh, because of the, the, the different problems, but, but also because uh, from the first moment on, we all tried to reach students. And they 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 noticed. So they noticed us. And I think Desti has the same thing. That that uh, uh, without a question, within uh, weeks they know they knew how to contact us. And they have all kind of new or more pronounced problems. Mm -hmm. So they contact us a lot as well. So yeah, it is very very busy. And that's the same for you, Desley. It's not just the Faculty of Medicine uh, <laughs> that is experiencing these problems, I guess. 
No, no, it is the same for us. And um, what's maybe interesting to mention is that um, I think it was in uh, mid-March that the decision came that we all had to work from home. Mm -hmm. And what we expected as academic counselors was that student would um, basically reach out to us right away. Okay, what do I have to do? How can I continue my studies? And questions like that. Um, but for a week or two, um, we all noticed uh, a kind of a, a dip in the appointments. Um, so less students contacted us. And sometimes we even had weeks um, without, well, all, only two or three questions, for example. So that was a bit uh, shocking for us. And we thought, okay, what's happening here? Um, what's wrong? Is it possible that they, or is is, is maybe difficult for them to find us or what's wrong? Um, but then while we evaluated that, we realized that it was probably also a moment for our students, like it was for ourselves to um, pause for a moment, see what's happening. Um, what's this pandemic situation? Mm -hmm. How are we going to react on it? Um, and only after a couple of weeks, they reached out to us and um, asked, what does it mean for my study program? Yeah, because I think for everyone it was, uh, well, it still is a big adjustment. We have to uh, change the way that we work, the way that we study. We have to, uh, you know, uh, fix our living space to accommodate uh, these new circumstances. So I guess that period was a moment in which everybody was just trying to figure out what the new normal is and, uh, and get used to it a little bit. So... Apart from the fact that you have more questions coming in from students, are the types of issues uh, that they come to you with different than before? Jaco, maybe you can say something about this. Um, I, I, I just said already that, that some things are a little bit more pronounced. So if you have uh, or already psychological problems or, or find it difficult to adjust, um, uh, these times are really challenging. Uh, at the same time, I see, I, I see since March, I ask every student I speak to, I ask how, are they, how they are doing because I'm just cur curious to know how, how our students are doing. And most of them say, okay, I'm, I'm doing well. A little bit, little bit smiling because they are, maybe in this time, it's not normal to say it's okay. Yeah. Um, but you see, uh, the, the, you see also that some people... Um, get stuck in the middle so uh, they don't know exactly how to uh, solve the problems they didn't have before like not having contact not not having structure mm -hmm. um, and and most of the times with some uh, uh, simple suggestions you can help them uh, 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 get, getting in on the way again so I think our school is also very special in the sense that uh, we have a high number of international students as well. Um, so yeah, do you um, do you get a lot of international students coming to you as well uh, with questions during this time? Uh, how is it, Desley? Uh, yes, definitely. I think fifty percent of the students I talk to are international students. Um, so yes, luckily they find their way to us as well. Do you think that um, being away from home and also experiencing this corona situation uh, puts, yeah, I guess, added strain or stress uh, on, uh, on these students? Um, yes, definitely. Um, but 
what also points out to me is that um, maybe also because of the COVID situation, um, the issues or, or questions from um, Dutch students when you compare to international students, maybe get more similar um, because nowadays we, we all have to adapt to change. And the situation is different, of course, for internationals because they are uh, away from home, away from family and friends. Um, but the feelings that um, uh, that goes with the change, like anxiety, loneliness, um, that often results in procrastination and a lack of motivation, for example, mm -hmm. those feelings are now nowadays also uh, often experienced by by Dutch students. So um, they have. The situation is different, but I see the same uh, feelings. And that's the you see the same thing, Jaco. I see you nodding and agreeing. Yeah, and 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 it, it's good to be open-minded uh, when you talk to international students because some things you're not used to as a, a Dutch worker. For for example, I I remember one of our students being in the states, and the, she was called back, of course, um, mm -hmm. because of the Corona situation. And the question was, what is going back home? Is this Utrecht or yeah. back to where the, the parents live? And this is this is a very difficult situation. But but also that that is sometimes these international students have an, an extra problem uh, because um, they have family at home and being worried about the family at home they they are not in contact contact with. So a lot of the problems are the same. And and but sometimes you have to be open-minded to be, be open for uh, how different it can be as well. Yeah, so um, I, I can totally relate to those types of questions. And I'm just wondering how did it, uh, how challenging was it for you to actually, yeah, get used to um, having to do that, to get into the, the mind space and the, the position of somebody who is from a different culture and be able to to give them advice was that uh, something difficult for you to do that uh, how how did you uh, manage to do this uh, maybe Jaco um I, i'm an academic counselor for a long long time and mm -hmm. and i think this is one of the most difficult things to learn um not not to to work on your bias uh work on how you see things but be open minded to to how somebody else feels things so yeah. i think one of the First things is just ask questions and just uh, try to, to, to stand next to it, uh, someone and see it from the same perspective because you learn from it. And, and if you do, um, um, it's, it's very difficult to, to, to lose the assumptions you have because these are very normal for you. Yeah. But if you keep asking questions and be open and not judge too, 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 too fast, it's, it's possible for the other uh, party, the student in this case, to just tell how it feels. And that, that works. But it's, it stays uh, difficult even after 20 years. I can imagine. Desley, for you? Yes, yes I totally agree with that. Um, it's very important to, to not judge and to be open. Um, for myself, I always try to create a safe environment uh, for students because I want them to feel that that they can be honest with me and um, uh, that I want to help them rather than judge them. Um, 
I think it was last week that I was reading the evaluations of the life science representative. Mm -hmm. um, they sent out a questionnaire to ask how students experience um, our services as academic counselors. And I saw some students answering that they feel still feel ashamed uh, when talking about mental um, uh, their mental situation. Yeah. And um, yeah, that stressed the importance for me to um, create the safe environment and hope that they feel that I don't I don't judge on anything. I'm curious though, how often do you find it, Jaco, that it's the adjustment to the Dutch culture that is actually an issue for international students the, the dutch are strange people so so probably it's something to get used to at the same time i think that um this is part of the, the international experience as well this, this was something they were looking for yeah. so most of the times they don't complain okay and uh, finally just to something to wrap up with this section if you take a quick look at the different kinds of support that you can receive from the university, there's actually quite a lot. And there's you guys, academic counselors, there's the student psychologist, there is the coach. Um, it can be a little bit confusing, I imagine, if uh, you want to turn to someone, but you don't know exactly who is the right person in a given situation. Can you say something about that? If you're in doubt about who to ask, then you can ask anyone because if they don't know, they will direct you to someone who do know. So after hearing about what it is that they do as academic counselors, I become curious to know how it is that they got to be in the positions that they are and what makes an academic counselor tick. I start off with Desley. Well, um, my background is in psychology. Actually, um, I studied psychology in Groningen um, as a bachelor program. And um, after that, I completed my master's in business administration. Mm -hmm. um, and when I completed my, my master, I started working as a consultant um, at, at KPMG. Um, so I think when we prepared for this podcast, you asked us, um, was it a position that you're doing right now you were aiming for or came it by coincidence um, and I laughed a bit because I was not aiming for this position at all um, as a graduate I was aiming for uh, for a job as a consultant in a large company um, yeah that was a, a very uh, a common goal for business students then mm -hmm. um, but once I was a consultant I realized that it did not match my interest and values and um, then I started thinking about my real passion mm -hmm. um, and purpose. During my bachelor's I was already uh, working at the University of Groningen uh, where I was also studying um, and I participated in several councils so I was already involved in higher education mm -hmm. um, and then I saw this vacancy for academic counselor which basically combines psychology with working at a university so yeah, that was a perfect coincidence, so to say. That's great. And what about you, Jaco? Is, uh, is there a, a kind of a, a specific route that you take to ending up in an academic counselor position in terms of background and studies? Or is it, uh, can you come oh, from sorry. a different way? There, there's no study to be, become an academic counselor. In, in my case, I'm a biologist. Mm -hmm. I studied biology in, in Amsterdam. And um, from the get-go, or, or maybe in my second year, I, I met the, the academic counselor over there. 
And I, I immediately knew that, that this was something for me. Uh, but in my study in biology, I, I, I knew that I really loved biology, but I didn't want to do research. Mm-hmm. Um, after my, my graduation, I really didn't know how academic counselor you can't do and when you just finish your, your graduation, you're too young. Yeah. So I did what all uh, people did uh, back then and, and, and went into to a promotion, be, being a PhD student. Mm-hmm. And after two and a half years, I, I really knew oh, this is not for me. I, I really shouldn't be doing this. At a certain point, I thought there are two possibilities. I can quit now or I can continue and I will be forced to quit yeah. due to mental problems because this, this was the way it was. And I, I went to my uh, old academic counselor and I told him, I really, really want to be an academic counselor. And within two weeks, I got a mail from him saying that, that his colleagues in, in medicine looked for somebody. This was a temporary mm-hmm. uh, job. And this was 20 years ago. So uh, I, I went over there. In, in, this was at, uh, in Amsterdam. And within uh, three months, I was working in Utrecht. I was working really, really much harder than I did as a PhD student. But I really loved it. And I, I, I didn't care at all. So, uh, and I really like being an academic counselor. Do you feel that your background in biology studies actually helps you um, to understand, you know, to be able to relate to the, the, the students that you have to deal with on a daily basis? Yeah, I think it helps. I think that, that the, the background of Desi helps in another, uh, uh, in another uh, area. But in my case, uh, one of my colleagues is a biologist as well, but didn't do any researches. So doing the research helps me to understand how the relationships in a lab are, how yeah. a supervisor and a, a student work. I, I've been a supervisor myself. And I, I, I noticed that at, at a lot of uh, situations, you can really relate both to the student having their problems as, as to the, the supervisor. And this helps to mediate as well. Yeah, there is a very kind of specific uh, power dynamics that come into a supervisor-student relationship, and uh, it's good to be able to understand that. Yeah, and the difficulty is that your supervisor is also the the one that is assessing you at the end. And Mm -hmm. this this makes it really, really difficult. You you don't want to ask too many questions, but if you ask too little questions, you make mistakes. So this this is difficult. So I really love both of your stories because listening to them, I'm getting two things. The first thing is that both of you um, had taken a different direction initially in your lives and your careers. And both of you were um, brave enough to actually say that this is something that's not for you and uh, to change course and do something that is way closer to your heart and, uh, and your personalities. And I think that's that's an important lesson that that everybody can can learn from, that it's never too late to uh, to do what it is that you truly love to do. And the second thing that I hear is that since there's no official training or qualification for becoming an academic counselor, what matters the most is uh, having you know uh, the the possibility the capability of of connecting to people and wanting to help them. And I'm saying this because I'm imagining that perhaps there are students of ours that are, you know, studying biology or biomedical sciences and, uh, and actually can relate to something that they heard from you. And, um, they should maybe know that this is, uh, 
a field that that is open to them if they're truly interested. So, Desley, maybe you can tell me what is it that you that you like about uh, what is your favorite thing about uh, doing this job? Well, what I like most um, are the individual con individual conversations with students. Mm -hmm. um, because you meet all kinds of students from all over the world and you hear their stories um, and they also um, invite you to, to get to know more and to help them um, in a very um, interesting moments in their life. So that's what, what, yeah, what I find most interesting about the job. And I imagine it must come with its own set of, of challenges and, and difficulties also, right? Because you're um, sharing in, uh, well, I guess students don't come to you when they're very happy. <laughs> that is, uh, that is, I guess, they, they, they won't schedule an appointment to tell you how satisfied they are with, uh, with how things are going or uh, with life. So, Jaco, what, what do you find to be the most challenging thing about, about being a, a counselor? I'm, I'm going. I'm going to 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 rectify you as well because okay. um, most of the time students want things, and they are motivated to do things, and they have questions about it as well, and they are very happy. Okay. So so it, that that's not completely the case. Um, but what is challenging is when you you get so first of all you you talk to the student to get the problem clear. Mm -hmm. And what I'm, I'm really, uh, when I'm really annoyed is when I get the, the problem clear, but I can't help. Yeah. Because I really want to help. And in, I think, 95% of the cases, you can help and you can give suggestions, but sometimes you can just um, uh, um, conclude with the student that, that it, it, this, is, this is a problem and I don't know how to help. And the second things that really get me annoyed is when people or students complain about something and I think they are right. Yeah. But I can't change it. It triggered me, Jaco, because what, what I think it's annoying sometimes is when, um, when you listen to, to an issue and you know that um, you hear it too late. So for some procedures, for example, we need, need to know um, if there's anything that distracts you from studying so we can adjust your study planning or we can um, do anything about your uh, your visa for example mm -hmm. and sometimes um, uh, we hear issues too late and that's also very very frustrating but then because then you know that you could have do something for that person but um, it's it's very hard at this particular moment and I sometimes feel that there's kind of an, an an unspoken pressure um, uh, on master students to have everything under control and mm -hmm. to do everything yourself. Um, sometimes I think that they kind of um, burdened by the feeling to be independent or wanting to be independent, which which I understand. But um, I think that asking for help is is not a sign of weakness. Mm -hmm. I mean, asking help means that you are strong enough to see what you uh, what you don't know. Um, and that's a sign of strength and that gives us the opportunity to, to help you because often there's more possible in your study program um, than you think. And even the best of us needs help. It sounds like what you're describing is um, that in some cases, the, the threshold that uh, for uh, a student to contact you or to feel like uh, he should, he, she should contact you is a bit high in some cases. And, and what you're saying is that Basically, 
you don't you shouldn't have to wait until you uh, the problem becomes too big before you uh, reach out for help or advice and uh, in in most cases probably you can uh, prevent things from escalating too much by by just reaching out a bit sooner right yeah yes. and, and i remember a coordinator once said that that if you get stuck in your writing or get stuck in your research project uh, cry for two days and then contact the economic counselor because it's a shame it takes too much time yeah and the shame only builds if if you if you wait longer and and at least we can talk about it and and most of the time if you talk about things uh, things get clear because you explain them to somebody else it's just like learning and if you get it clear for yourself you, most of the time the student has to has the solution as well so it's not a shame to ask for help because you have your own solutions probably yeah that's uh that's good advice and do you um can you think back to when you were studying yourself and are there struggles that you that you can relate to yourself procrastination is something i was very good at so <laughs> i i sometimes tell students that i uh, i i played games uh, with my my uh, roommate and we played monopoly and you can play it with two boards instead of one and it doesn't make it more funny but it it, it takes more time so you can procrastinate longer so I'm very good at that. We are human as well. I, I did all things wrong when I was a student. I, I walked around with a problem for months before I went to somebody and, and talked about it because I was ashamed. Yeah. And you, Desley, is there, did you face any, any kind of issues or struggles that you can relate to in your studies? Um, yes, during my studies, I think I was most afraid of not getting a job. Um, maybe that also relates to the field that I was studying in. Psychology at that time was very popular. Um, and there were also many people who, um, who mentioned a lot of times that psychologists, that is very difficult to get a job and mm -hmm. uh, you will probably work at the supermarket and stuff. And I was very vulnerable for those kind of um, uh, statements. And yeah. that was also part of the reasons that I choose to continue my master's in business administration. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not sure if that was really a, a mistake because I learned a lot from it, but I think if I would do it again, I choose differently. Um, and follow my heart more, so to say, than listening to other people. But that was the anxiety of not getting a job. And do you think that um, if you had uh, seeked advice or something like this, that you would have made a different decision or? Um, yeah, maybe, but I did. Um, but there's also uh, something that's called a confirmation bias. Mm -hmm. um, so I seeked for advice, but I'm wondering if I look back, if I wanted to, to listen to it, um, because then in the news at the same evening that I went to the academic counselor, for example, I heard um, uh, um, a politician saying that psychology students don't get a job. So then I was confirmed again that yeah. it was best to not continue. Yeah. <laughs> and since we already briefly mentioned that perhaps there are people listening who might be interested in uh, in pursuing a position as an academic counselor? What would you say are the qualities that uh, make somebody in your position successful? Maybe you, we can start with you, Jaco. Listen carefully and look good uh, to to the one uh, uh, across the table. Um, 
um, most of the times what you what you what you look at so so if if somebody says something uh, there there should be some kind of confirmation in their non verbal verbal uh, communication as well mm -hmm. and i find it very interesting and very uh, informative to ask about it so so when a student says something different than what what is telling me non verbally yeah. i i nowadays i first think about should i ask something about that but uh, most of the times i do and if you do um uh, you get you get the the, the complete picture, mm -hmm. and and what Desley already said. Um, first, start by making the connection with the other. So you you have to be able to do that as well, to really be interested interested in somebody else, and and making sure that that the other one feels comfortable to tell about these things that are really really uh, difficult for them. Yeah, so hearing you talk, I get to thinking about the fact that you have different students that can come to you with the same issue, but the underlying psychology of each person can be drastically different. And I'm assuming that that has to require a customized approach in each, each case, which uh, sounds quite challenging. So how do you deal with that, Desley? I mean, everyone is different and especially nowadays, now we don't have the face-to-face -face talks anymore and um, speak to students via video call or uh, sometimes also uh, only via audio. Um, that's a challenge for us um, because uh, different than when you talk to someone face to face it's uh, more difficult to see the emotions so then you have to listen very carefully um, also to 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 the silence part of the conversations for example mm -hmm. um, to to double check for yourself every time if it is the right uh, question you ask or um, the right direction you choose to go in the in the conversation yeah so, at this point in the conversation, I was triggered by something that was mentioned previously. Being raised in Greece, my home country, I'm all too aware of the fact that the conversation around uh, mental health can be something of a taboo issue. And a lot of people feel the pressure to uh, be able to deal with things on their own without reaching out for help. And I wanted to ask our academic counselors whether that's the case also in the Netherlands. I think it's, it's, it differs from age, with age. So, so I think the, 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 the young people from, for, for, from, this, from this age, uh, from this period, they, they are really open to all kind of aid. Uh, if you talk to them about it, I can remember, say about 20 years ago, I was, really reluctant to start talking about an, a student psychologist and nowadays if you if you talk about this or or mention this students uh, really see this as a normal option just to get help and um, but i think that the older people get uh, in the Netherlands because this is something that changed over time mm -hmm. and the more difficult they think they 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 see it more like you told us just now yeah. See it as a shame that you can't cope with it yourself, uh, but young people don't. I think um, uh, these young people try to let them be like they are, and 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 being more transparent about what they are and what they are feeling. Mm -hmm. so this is this is really 
something we can be very happy about. It different for international students. It's it's difficult to uh, to know beforehand if if this is something that is uh, as free as in in Holland as well. Um, so normally with international students, I I I talk about a coach and a student psychologist, and and I can a little bit see how people how students react, and this this helps. And sometimes they are very open and no problem, and sometimes it's a little bit more difficult. And, and when you explain the difference between a coach and a student psychologist, they they it it makes it easier. It you you take a little bit more time. Desley, would you like to add something to this? What is your experience? Well, I think what also helps is that over the past, let's say, I think five years, um, the attention for students' well-being um, uh, has grown. Mm -hmm. So uh, also the, uh, the student councils and student organizations, they made a lot of noise about that we have to take care of our students and that we as a school are also partly responsible for how they feel um and we need to take care of them so i think that's very good and i would like to um uh, to motivate them to continue with that um because yeah like a good example of the is the well-being week i think it is uh, uh in november um the university of utrecht organized a student well-being week um to create attention for this topic and those examples are very very good because that makes it easier to talk about it and it kind of opens the conversation about mental health. Um, and that's important because I think that it will always remain a challenge um, to get rid of the to get rid of the, the stigma around mental health. And Jaco, do you think we could be doing more for our students regarding these topics? This is a very difficult, very difficult question because <laughs> yeah. you can always do more. I'm saving the difficult questions for the end, yeah. yes. Uh, it's no problem. You can always do more, but you, you have to ask yourself as well, what is my responsibility as a school? Mm -hmm. And what's the responsibility of the student or, or maybe the responsibility of the, of the, uh, the society? Yeah. And uh, so when we talk about students having... Uh, having a rough time and, and having mental problems, we can also say young people having a rough time and having problems. So this is this is something the the, the university has to think about, but but society has to think about as well. And I think that um, yes, you should uh, uh, give guidance to students, and yes, you should uh, uh, give some kind of uh, help to all students. You you have. Uh, uh, in your programs mm -hmm. at the same time some problems are not for us to solve yeah. not for the school to solve so in this next and final segment of our podcast we like to always ask our guests some classical questions from the Proust questionnaire and a book recommendation but before going there I wanted to ask our academic counselors what would be the most valuable piece of advice they could give to our students who might be struggling a bit more right now? The advice could be, talk to me, come to me, reach out to me. I mean, that's already... Uh... That's always the advice, Spiels. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but what I would say is sometimes it also helps to write down what's on your mind. Mm -hmm. um, 
write your struggles down, write down which thoughts you have that probably distract you from, from studying or um, that bother you, um, because that can be very clarifying um, to have the thoughts on paper rather than keeping them in mind. Then I always say to students, leave the paper on your table for a while, um, um, sleep one night and look back to it um, to ask yourself some questions like, um, what is it exactly that I'm struggling with? What do I need to do at this particular moment um, to feel better? And who or what can help me with that? I think that would be my, my advice. And Jaco? I can add to this, um, talk to someone, maybe not talk to me especially, but talk to someone. Mm -hmm. and, and if you think that you bother somebody else with your problems, just try to, to see it in reverse. If somebody comes to you with the problems, are you are you annoyed? No, you're you're surprised and happy that you can help. And I think if you try to explain your problems to someone, else, it will be clearer for you. And two know more than one. So at least if you if you dare talk to someone about it, I think that's a really nice piece of advice. Um, for the last section of our podcast, we have some uh, standardized uh, questions. So we take some questions from uh, what we call the, the Proust questionnaire. So maybe I'll start with Desley. Uh, what would you say are your favorite qualities in a person? Honesty and openness. Nice. And Jaco, what would you say is your most prominent characteristic as a person? What do people see in you uh, first when they meet you? Um, I, I hope they, they see some, someone happy. So, so someone enthusiastic, someone who, who wants to, to work and, 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 and tries to have fun in life, um, but, but, and, and is, is open to other people as well. Well, that's a, a very nice bridge because my next question is, uh, Jaco, you can continue then. What what would you say is the, the definition of happiness for you? Um, I, I once uh, uh, heard a, a, an, an advertisement saying that if you want to feel rich, you, sh you should settle for less. <laughs> and, and I think this is in the happiness as well. So, so uh, from this summer, I started windsurfing again. Mm -hmm. And when I... I uh, uh, see the, the the old guys at least because the, the, I, I can refer that to, to the, them them especially and I see them coming back from from uh, uh, the water mm -hmm. I see the, the the smile on their faces I know this is happiness so uh, just going on the water and 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 going very fast on your 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 board it's 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 very nice it's sheer happiness nice and Desley what would you say is is happiness for you um for me i think it's it's spending time with friends and family um yeah that's most important to me but if you talk about the definition of happiness um then i think we can fill a complete podcast about it <laughs> because that's so uh, always very um depending on every individual but i also think that happiness is is to feel that you can be yourself and that you will be accepted while being yourself and for the final, final, final thing, I promise, what would be a book that you would recommend to people, Desley? Um, well, I prefer um, books that are true story, actually. So um, when I'm reading, I always want to learn something. So I read 
kind of informatic books. Um, but I once read a book with a very good story, mm-hmm. and that's the one I want to recommend. It's called uh, I Am Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. Maybe you know it. I don't. Um, no? Okay. Well, it's, uh, it's, oh, <laughs> I wanted to show how big it was with my fingers, but it's <laughs> podcast, so they won't see it. Um, but it is a very, a very uh, a big book. Okay. I think I did six years. Uh, I brought it uh, to my holidays for six years, um, <laughs> but it's a very good story. So I started every time all over again. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a thriller. So uh, it's all, uh, it's a, uh, a good a good one to read on the holiday i think it's called i am pilgrim nice and yako uh, I, I i first wanted to say something about the book i'm reading right now but i, th- I think it's only in 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 dutch so uh, it's for our international students not that not that, not that nice to say something about it but i will at the same time at least mention the the, the title it's it's socrates on sneakers and it's about uh, really a, a, a having a good dialogue with uh, with people uh, but uh, if I'm looking back, I I I would recommend uh, the Painted Bird of uh, of Kosinski, uh, and that's because I really like to read books that shift my perspective on things, and this really shifts per- perspective on you. It's it's about a a boy after the Second World War, and um, he he gets haunted and and tortured by all kind of people in 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 Eastern Europe, mm-hmm. and it's really about the, the bad part of the human behavior and it, it's really it's it's something that makes you think how would I act in this situation how do I feel towards other people they're, they're not completely the same as as I am so this is really something that that shifted my perspective it's a very old book but I would recommend to everybody to read it yeah I guess being confronted sometimes with the negative aspects of humanity actually encourage you to be a a better person and to try and uh, make change in the world. At this point, I wrapped up my conversation with Desley and Jaco. I thoroughly enjoyed talking to them and I want to thank them again for joining me and making time to record this episode. Last but not least, I want to thank you for tuning in. I hope you feel like you know a little more about these great people and that you learned something useful. We'll be back with a new installment soon. Till then, be safe and take care of yourself. This was an episode of Radio Life Sciences, the podcast channel of the Graduate School of Life Sciences. Thank you so much for listening and hope to see you back next time.